The reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. (coughs) Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine, who was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, was, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property and prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
there are times um, when you're preparing a sermon that you really, really wrestle with it. Uh, really wrestle with, uh, is this the right message for this morning? Uh, is this the right message for now? Is this really what God wants me uh, to say today? Uh, and particularly this week, I've really wrestled with this because we've got this combination of it being Lent uh, and the season that we have of reflection uh, leading up to Easter. It's also Mother's Day, uh, a day which we consider to be, it is a challenge for some, as Davina's rightly said, but also a day where we kind of enjoy and celebrating our mothers and, and uh, women in our lives. And I'm also struggling with the fact that this is a really familiar passage and one that I absolutely adore. Uh, anyone who's read my book will know that the whole kind of theme of, of God as Father is, is really important to me. And so I sat down with this thinking, well, it's obvious where this is going to go. Uh, and so I started writing the sermon that I thought I was going to give. And then my mind was changed again. And God gave me a, a, a quite a difficult, I suppose, uh, message to give. And even up until last night and even the early hours of this morning, I was still wrestling with, is this the right thing uh, to share this morning? And then I opened up for my quiet time this morning. And my, uh, the verse for today was this, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And I realized that what I was wrestling with was not so much the truth that I've got to share but I was wrestling with, am I able to say it plainly? Because <laughs> that's the challenge when we come to uh, a passage or a theme or, or something that's difficult, is we want to be able to say it plainly. And my wife, who is wise, incredibly wise, uh, said to me this morning, she's a wise mother, and I appreciate her for that, and a wise wife. And she said to me this morning, speak slowly, clearly, and lovingly. And uh, I was on the way here walking to church this morning, and I sensed God say that if the pace of my heart is right, the pace of my words will be right. So I want this to come from a place of rest, but also of profound hope, because the theme is not an easy one. I'm going to ask one question, which is going to give you an idea of where the theme is going and where we're going. And the theme is very rich in this particular story of uh, the prodigal son, but is also rich throughout the whole of Scripture itself. And this question uh, is not an easy question. I'm warning you right now, it comes with a health warning. It's not an easy question. If you're expecting a nice, light, fluffy Mother's Day sermon, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You're not getting that today. Because the question is, is there anyone you need to be reconciled with? You see, Mother's Day is about relationships. Relationships that matter to us. Whether that's our own mothers, our children, our siblings, uh, our people who matter to us in our lives, people we have or don't have relationship with, people for whom our relationships are great and people for whom our relationships are a struggle. And the question is, is there anyone you need to be reconciled with? I'm going to pause there and let the Spirit do some work. Because really it's a question that is between you and God alone. And I don't want to know the answer right now. Is there anyone you need to be reconciled with? Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to our hearts and minds, maybe we already know, a child, a parent, a sibling, a friend, maybe even yourself, maybe even God. And I'm pausing here for this stillness because there may be people here this morning 
and you know straight away that the answer to that question is yes. There are others here this morning and you don't know if the answer is yes. And maybe one of the reasons you don't know if the answer is yes is because you don't really know what reconciliation is. And my hope is that using the story of the prodigal son, I will be able to clearly (laughs) explain what it is so that we can move towards it. Because one thing I'll say now, and I will say again at the end, reconciliation is always worth the effort. So, let's look at the story through the lens of reconciliation to hopefully help us. Because there's a number of things we need to understand about reconciliation if we're going to enter into the process of it between us and another person or group of people or God or ourselves, whoever it may be. And the first is to recognize the important truth that forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. They are not the same thing. They are very different things indeed. But how it is fair to say that it's almost impossible to have reconciliation without forgiveness. See, forgiveness is that personal choice in ourselves to release someone of the wrongs that they have done in our heart, the effect that those things have on our hearts. Now, that's not to condone evil. That's not to condone the wrong. Forgiveness doesn't mean that people get away with injustice, but it does mean that you don't allow what they've done to affect your heart in such a way that you're holding bitterness and a grudge and becoming a prisoner to your own soul in a way. Forgiveness is about a personal choice between you and God to begin to pray for and bless the person who's done you wrong. And it is needed for reconciliation, but reconciliation is something very different. And what we find this is here in the story uh, of the prodigal son, is that when the son is thinking about the idea of going home, which we'll come to in a minute, he knows he's done wrong. He knows he needs the forgiveness of his father. He doesn't know if he's going to receive it or not. But what we find in the scene is that when the son is returning home, the father has already forgiven the son. Even before the son has apologized, even before the son has said that he's sorry, even before the confession, the father is running towards the son. The forgiveness has already taken place in the heart of the father. He hasn't waited for the confession or the apology. He's chosen to forgive straight away. Now, that probably would have been a process for the Father, as it is for us. Forgiveness is a process. It's not a quick, done, overnight thing. Forgiveness is a journey that we enter into, but it's essentially between us and God. It's a very uh, personal thing, forgiveness. And it's not the same as reconciliation. And the reason that reconciliation is harder than forgiveness in some ways is because it requires both parties to be engaged in it. Both parties to be willing to enter into what can sometimes be a painful and a slow process. Uh, A great analogy, which I might come to again later, is that of renovating a kitchen. Hands up here if you've ever tried to renovate a kitchen or had a kitchen renovated. Okay, now as you know, when you have a renovation of any kind, but particularly kitchens, it gets a lot worse before it gets better, doesn't it? 
I mean, you've got floorboards everywhere, you've got dust everywhere, you've got cupboards hanging off the hinges, you've got all these things being pulled out, you're cooking on a tiny little stove because the actual cooker's not in use, everything is a mess, it's a, it's a disaster around you, uh, food changes everything, you know, you just, it, it all goes completely differently. And you have a choice when you enter into that process to try and do it on your own. If anyone's ever tried to do that, you're a braver person than me. Uh, but you can try and renovate the whole kitchen by yourself, or you can ask for help to do it. And you know that when you get to the end goal, there may be some people still not there yet, but I can promise you once the kitchen is renovated, it's all been worth it. Once you get to that end goal, you see that the work has been worth it. But during the process, it can be so, so difficult. But when it comes to reconciliation of relationships, it is a hard and often painful process, but it requires both parties to be involved. I always wonder, with the story of the prodigal son, in the versions that we sometimes tell in our heads, perhaps, is how different things would have been if the father was not running, if the father was not willing. Because that's what the son expected. He expected to go home and have to offer himself as a servant because he wasn't expecting reconciliation. He was expecting something very different. But what we find is genuine, true reconciliation where the father and the son equally have that desire to restore relationship. And they work together to bring it. What we see in the second son is something very different. You know, we don't know how that part of the story ends. But we can see that there's a difference in the relationship there between the one who is willing to reconcile and the one who's not. It's also worth saying that you can't have reconciliation without repentance, without that decision to walk in a different direction, without saying, I recognize that I've wronged. The son had to make that decision to go home. He had to make that decision to realize he had wronged his father. He had to make that decision to realize that the life of freedom he thought he had wasn't the life that he hoped he'd have. What he saw as freedom wasn't true freedom, and he knew that true freedom was only at home, essentially, for him. And he had to make that decision He had a choice to stay with the pigs or to make that decision and go home. And he made the decision. That is repentance, turning from one way, walking in another. And we can't have reconciliation without repentance. Fourthly, and this perhaps is one of the harder bits, is that confession is also quite key when it comes uh, to reconciliation. Nothing will change if you paste over the cracks and pretend that everything's okay when it's not. If anyone here has young children, you've probably seen uh, the movie Encanto. (laughs) Uh, It's a very popular Disney movie. We love it in our household. It is great. And there's a scene in that where they've been trying to paste over cracks for so long. But eventually the cracks begin to show. And we can hide the struggles that we're facing from others with the classic sentence of, I'm fine, thank you very much, when inside we're breaking. We need to admit to God, to ourselves, and to others when there is an issue of our relationships. The son eventually confessed to the father what he'd done wrong. And possibly... That may have been public, but actually the father probably ran in order to save the son from having to do that too publicly. 
The question is, who are the people that you trust enough to be able to confess to, even today? Even today. And then also reconciliation is always God's desire for relationships. But that doesn't mean that it's always possible. It's always God's desire, but it's not always possible. There are times where the other party doesn't want to be reconciled. There are times the other party doesn't recognize they're wrong. There are times where that other person is no longer with us. There are times where we don't know ourselves how much we need reconciliation, where we're pacing over the cracks even to ourselves and haven't even admitted to ourselves that something needs to change. And I think that kind of difference between the first son and the second son gives us a little picture into what this can be like, that sometimes reconciliation isn't possible. But even when reconciliation isn't possible, we can still forgive, because that's our choice. And we can still have peace, because the peace that Jesus offers is not dependent on our circumstances. Because the peace that Jesus offers comes with his presence in any and every situation. But we can pray for the person or people who've wronged us or are wronging us. We can pray for the relationship. We can be kind as far as it depends on us and we can confess the truth to other people so that we can allow them to help us. We confess again that the struggle that we have is a real struggle and that sometimes we need the help of our community around us to see us through it. Rather than trying to renovate the kitchen on your own, hire in some professionals who've walked the path before you who know how to help you, who know how to guide you. And it all matters because it's what this entire book is about. This whole book is about reconciliation more than anything else. God's reconciliation With us and ours, with him, it's at the heart of everything that's written in these very pages. There's a unified story that points to Jesus, the one who made that reconciliation possible. The one who unbelievably made the first move, even though we were the ones in the wrong. That blows my mind every time I think of it. We were in the wrong. and He made the first move towards reconciliation and the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth until Jesus and then still he's making that first move reconciliation is really hard sometimes but it's always worth it I don't think anyone's going to get to the end of their lives and think I wish I hadn't reconciled with that person 
But having said that, there are times that you are having to be so vulnerable when you reconcile with another because you are opening yourselves up to being hurt, possibly again by the same person, possibly again by the situation. But that vulnerability is so important because what you recognize is that when you have a heart for reconciliation towards another, you realize you're tapping into the very heartbeat of God. And when it feels really, really hard, when, when perhaps you're the person who really wants reconciliation and the other person doesn't, you begin to see how our Father in heaven feels towards us. Because <laughs> surely that's us, isn't it? He wants reconciliation and we don't sometimes. We walk away. And his heart is towards reconciliation, so he's always making that move towards that, towards us, towards that relationship, waiting for opportunities for that relationship to be restored. Maybe you're someone who desperately wants to be reconciled with somebody else, but they're not ready for that reconciliation. As in, you, you know perhaps that you're the one in the wrong, But even so, they still don't want to be reconciled to you for whatever reason that may be. And I think here of the story of Peter, I think the moment that Peter uh, made his three rejections of Jesus, his heart was broken and he would have given anything for the opportunity to be reconciled with Jesus. And thankfully, he got that opportunity on the beach. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? Again, we see Jesus making the first move towards reconciliation. You see, you may be here this morning, and you know in your heart of hearts on this Mother's Day that you need to be reconciled with someone. And my tears right now are tears of hope for you. Because it's God's heart. And I think there are times when one of the things we need to do is to not so much pray for peace, but to pray for a miracle. And as we think about Ukraine and Russia, we've got uh, contacts with people in Kiev through YWAM. Uh, as, a, as a church family, and, and um, the staff team through Barbara is, is in regular contact uh, with, with the base of YWAM in Kiev. And they said it came to a point where we stopped praying for peace and began praying for a miracle. There may be some of your own personal reconciliation relationships, all ones in the world stage, where we're moving from that place of praying for peace and praying for a miracle. And there may be a relationship for you right now that needs a miracle, but I believe in a God of miracles. I believe in a God who can do miracles. And I'm hoping and praying with all of my heart that if you're in a relationship that needs reconciliation, today could be the day where that freedom begins for you. And that may make a decision on your part, that made it a miracle on the other person's part or on God's part or whatever it may be. But I also believe that there's someone here this morning, and this is a bit that's been eating up at me, I think, for the past 24 hours, that there's someone here this morning who has believed the lie for far too long that you can't be right with God 
until you sort this relationship over here out. But this is all about the fact that God made the first move. And any hope you have of reconciliation can only come from having been reconciled yourself. All of our reconciled relationships flow from the fact that we have been reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. That's why he came. So if you want any hope of reconciling any relationships today, it begins with this one. You being reconciled with God. And it doesn't have to be about you having your life sorted before that happens. You can be reconciled with God right now in this moment today. And we're going to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can be reconciled with you. And, and if there's someone sat here this morning who has put off relationship with God because they think they're not going to be accepted, they're not going to be welcomed because their relationships are a mess on earth. Maybe someone who knows uh, that they struggle with their relationships and they think, actually, unless I get this sorted, the Father in heaven isn't going to accept me. And I think God just wants to break that lie now and say, no more. You are accepted as you are by your Father in heaven who has made that first move to reconciliation in Jesus. The Father is running to you. And he can and he will work with you to help you with those other relationships. But those other relationships don't have a chance unless you get this one right first, the one with God. The one with your Father in heaven. As you receive the reconciliation he offers to you, as you receive the relationship he pours out over you, the love that he has for you, you will be able to let that overflow into your other relationships. So receive what the Father has for you. See him running towards you. See him making that first move with the robe and the ring and the fattened calf and the sandals for your feet. See his unconditional love for you, accepting you for who you are, even with your faults and failings and failures. He's saying, you are mine and I am yours. And it's always been his desire to be in relationship with you and you with him. And today is the day of that desire being met and fulfilled. And you know in your heart it's always been your desire to be with him. But you've never felt worthy or able because of the mess of your other relationships. But today is the day your father says, come as you are. Come as you are. If you're here this morning and you want to be reconciled to God, then we can make it really complicated with a really complicated prayer or we can make it as simple as it needs to be and you just have to pray, Jesus I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I live for you. That's enough. 
Through those words, you are reconciled with your Father in heaven. And I urge you, I encourage you, if you've done that today, tell someone. Tell someone you've done that today because you have just stepped into genuine freedom. You've just done as the prodigal did, turned home, found the father running and been accepted and welcomed by a loving father. And we want to support you and encourage you in that journey. And if you're here and you've got other relationships that need reconciling this morning, I did warn you it wasn't an easy message. But if you're here this morning and you have, have that, then I want to encourage you to make the commitment today to confess to someone else, to bring in the, ke- the kitchen specialists, to call on others who can help you, to be aware it may be hard, it may be a journey, it won't always be easy, but it will be worth it. But above all else, do all you can to know and believe and trust that you are reconciled with your Father in heaven because he made the first move to reconciliation. It is only through awakened conscience that we shall be aware of any spiritual or moral need of God. And it's only when the Holy Spirit convinces us of that need that we can begin to call on God for grace. Let today be the day that you begin the journey of reconciliation. Let it be the beginning of your freedom, for your relationships, for you. Because one thing I've learnt, one thing I've come to realize is that when we are reconciled in our relationships, peace and unity prevail. When we are reconciled in our relationships, peace and unity prevail. Which also means that when they aren't, the opposite is true. But I want us to be a people who are seeking for peace and unity to prevail. So let's allow God to do a work in us and in those we love and in those we don't love so that peace and unity can prevail in our midst. Let's just be still for a bit. One of the other things I wrestled with with this service was that we're going to preach a message like this and people are thinking, oh, we've got Sunday lunch with the family coming around and we've got to get away and we've got to get back and get cooking. And, but I don't, I don't want to rush from this place now. There's a work that I can't do that only God can do. And so we say, Holy Spirit, would you come and do that work? Would you bring peace to hold us whilst we work towards reconciliation? Would you bring peace into those situations where reconciliation feels impossible?
Would you begin a miracle where a miracle is needed? Would you move us and cause us to change where we need to be changed? Would you make us more aware of the reconciliation you've offered us? And I want to pray against any sense of condemnation this morning because there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But I want to pray for an increased sense of hope in this place, in our hearts, in our lives. Would you increase hope within us? Hope of unity. Hope of togetherness. For you know the plans you have for us, God. Plans to give us a hope and a future. Let that be true of all our relationships, we pray. In the name of Jesus, who has reconciled us to God. Amen.